Good morning, church family. It's so good to be with you this morning. Let's go ahead and pray together. Uh, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the gift of singing and music and worship. I thank you that you give us the ability to do so. Um, and that you are pleased with our worship. I pray, Lord, that we honor you today. Uh, open up our hearts and minds to receive your word so we can leave or be at our homes uh, changed, different, put into practice what we hear um, and go out and change your world and be the lights of the world that you have called us to be. We're thankful for the gifts that you have given us. We're thankful that we can worship you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, so this morning, I am continuing our series called Words That Matter. Uh, and so for the past few weeks or so, we've talked about some words. Last week, we talked about uh, grace, I believe. And today, we're going to talk about faith. And so what does faith mean, what it doesn't mean, probably some misconceptions that maybe we've heard or haven't heard, um, and really iron some of those things out when it comes to faith. Because I don't know about you, but faith can be a little scary to think about. It can be something that we're not comfortable talking about. It can be something that we have difficulty expressing. Uh, but it's something that we actually do every single day. Uh, we were created inherently to express faith and to live by faith. And let me just give you a few examples. Right now, wherever you are, you are displaying faith by whatever you are sitting on, right? You trusted and knew that that would hold you when you sat down. For some of us, maybe it took a little bit more faith because maybe you're sitting on a chair or a couch that's really old and maybe a few more sits, then it's completely gone. But we all exhibit faith when we go to the restaurant and we sit in a chair, we're exhibiting faith. Uh, in this quarantine season, my wife and I were watching this show called Fixer Upper. And so on this show, basically, uh, these two main characters go and find homes uh, that are really run down, uh, don't look that great. And then families come and purchase those homes, and then they turn around and they make it uh, look really good. So these people walk into these homes, and there's this one episode where these people bought a giant house for about $10,000 because it was just, looked really terrible. And so this couple gives the people their money. They walk away. They don't see the house for two months. And then they come back and they do this giant reveal. And right when they see the house, usually the first thing they say is, oh my gosh, like this doesn't look like how it looked before. This is so amazing. But it takes a lot of faith for them to trust people not only with hundreds of thousands of dollars, but something that they're going to live in for a long time. If you are like me and you are car illiterate, uh, meaning that you don't know like how to do certain things in vehicles without YouTube, I wouldn't be able to, um, to jumpstart a car. See, I didn't even know what the word was. Um, but most of us, when we go to the mechanic, if we have a check engine light and we take it in, we have faith that they're telling us what's actually wrong with the car and not just making it up. Like as if it was a sensor that was wrong, but it was really, we thought that it was something with the engine. It takes faith to believe that what they're telling us is true, and we hope that they are telling us so. And even when it comes to faith or religion, a higher being that we believe in, right? It takes faith to believe in a higher being, because with our finite minds, it's very difficult to understand an infinite God. And so what's interesting about God is he is both incomprehensible, meaning we can't fully understand him, but yet he's knowable at the same time because he reveals himself in many amazing ways. 
And the last example of faith, how many of you guys have been to Mount Hermon? Probably a lot of you. Some people in this room have also been to Mount Hermon. And you know at Mount Hermon, they have like the leap of faith thing, uh, and then you do the uh, rock climbing. But as you're doing those things, usually your team is cheering you on. And usually you're tied in with the rope. And so, but you have to trust your team members that they're paying attention, right? Let's say belay, then belay on, and then they'll know, okay, we're ready to go. We have you. And so usually with the leap of faith, you'll jump out trusting that your cabin mates have you. But it'd be really sad if they didn't have you. But it takes an expression and a step of faith to do those things. And the same thing in our walk with Jesus, it takes faith. It takes faith to jump, to do the leap of faith with Jesus, right? To put into practice what we hear, right? To step out of our comfort zone, to love people who are not easily lovable, to extend grace when it's easy to extend anger, to forgive when it's easier to remember those hurts, right? To stay home in our comfort zones instead of getting out and serving. It takes a lot of faith in our walk with Jesus, So let's talk about faith. Let's talk about what it means and what it doesn't mean. Because as you know, faith can be this mysterious thing. In youth ministry, we do confirmation class, which is basically to confirm the faith that you had when you were either baptized as an infant or a young child, or the faith that you came to know as you were living life if you were not baptized when you were younger. And what's really interesting and what's also very cool is a lot of these students really think about their faith before they jump in. I wasn't like that. When I was in eighth grade, my brother and my youth pastor one day after church asked me, hey, do you want to accept Christ as your Savior? And I didn't really know what that meant, but my brother has never steered me wrong. So I was like, yeah, sure. So I just jumped in, not really looking, not really knowing. Uh, The very, that same day when I was at lunch, one of my cousins asked me, so what does it mean that you accepted Christ as your Savior? I had no idea what it meant. I didn't know. But what's great about the confirmation process is these students are thinking about their faith and seeing, is this something that I want to move forward in, right? Is this something that I believe in as true? And it's something that I want to live out for the rest of my life. And so faith is something that all of us need to explore at one time or another. I always tell recent graduates, you are getting to a point in your life where your faith is now your own faith. It's not your parents' faith. It's not your siblings' faith. It's going to be your own faith and what that looks like. And so as in our Christian circles, we throw around this word faith quite a lot, and it can mean a lot of different things. There was one time a student was asked on a Sunday morning um, service or Sunday school, uh, not here, hey, what does faith mean? And this is what the student said, believing what you know isn't true. And that's such a lovely answer from a kid but he's wrong, (laughs) right? He is not correct. It is not believing something that you know isn't true. That's called blind faith. And us as believers, we don't walk around hoping when we die that we'll get into heaven and that God really existed and that Jesus really existed. We're like, okay, it's a 50-50. I'd rather have heaven than hell. I'm just going to make the leap. It's not really like that, right? We believe wholeheartedly that Jesus is who he was, that he was God, that he came from heaven and earth and died for our sins. And if we put our faith in him, the faith that he gave us will go to heaven forever with him. So if we were to sum up faith as using a different word that might be easier to understand, would would be the word trust. 
If you have faith, you trust things, right? You trust your mechanic. You are trusting your chair at the moment, right? We are trusting people when we jump off the leap of faith or uh, that our teammates are going to hold us and keep us safe. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 gives us another definition of faith. It says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. It's a confidence and assurance. Those are way different than hoping 50-50, right? It's not a gamble. We are confident of the faith we had, and we are assured that we are going to see what God has promised to us. And that might sound a little scary because maybe we struggle with our faith, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. If that is you, don't worry. I can definitely relate because there have been many times in my walk with Jesus where I didn't exhibit faith, express faith, and I struggled in my own faith. Uh, Yet I work through those things, and so I hope to encourage you as well. So we are going to talk about three truths of faith, and then we're going to talk about how we live out our faith. And so this is where it might get a little bit complicated, uh, but I encourage you to stick with me. The first thing that we need to understand about faith is you need faith to please God. It is impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So without faith it's impossible to please God. So which is really important to know. There's another uh, few verses that won't be on the screen, but I'm going to go ahead and read them in Matthew chapter 7. And it's a parable from Jesus, and it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. That's probably one of the saddest parables in all of the New Testament. And here's the thing that these people exhibited. They prophesied, they cast out demons, they performed miracles. They did a lot of good things, but they didn't have faith. And that's the biggest difference. And I think it's for us, it's good to question and ask, am I doing a lot of good things? Or am I exhibiting faith? And that's something really scary to answer and to ask. And it's something that I've been talking to a lot of uh, some of the high school and young adults with lately, this idea of faith and exhibiting faith. Uh, But yet these people exhibited good things, but they didn't exhibit faith. And we need faith in order to please God. Which brings us to our next point. Faith is a gift from God. We can't get it any other way. We can't buy it. You can't get it on Amazon Prime. I know you can get anything on Amazon, but you can't get it on Amazon. Right? You can't do anything to earn or, or to gain faith by yourself. It's a gift solely from God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God. God, not by work so that no one can boast. Faith is a gift from God to us. 
back to this confirmation process that I was talking to you about, about students where they come into relationship with Jesus. And I remember when I was in eighth grade, they would use language like, hey, do you want to accept Christ as your Savior? Do you want to put your faith in Him? Do you want to trust Him? Right? It's this idea of us trusting God. Do you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life sort of language, like you going to Him idea? But here's the biggest thing that took me many years to understand. The moment that you're at a place that you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus already gave you that faith to do so, which is such a beautiful thing, right? It is a gift from God, right? He gives us that faith to please him, right? Which is amazing to think about and know that God has gifted us with faith. And so go to Jesus. And it brings us to our third point, right? You might be thinking, okay, I need faith in order to please God, but God can only give me faith. Then how do I, how do I go about doing that, right? How do I build my faith? And which is uh, the third thing is God rewards those who seek him with faith and because of their faith. Hebrews eleven six. we're going to go a little bit back and we talked about this and it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, then has, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Every confirmation class, we read three verses. One is the Great Commission. The next is knock and the door will be open. Ask and you will find, seek, right? And you will find answers. And I totally butchered up that quotation of the verse, but I'm sure the confirmation students out there know it. If you're with them, ask them. They should be able to quote it. Um, but it's this idea of seeking Jesus and he'll bless you. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 34, it says this, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. The context of this story is this. Jesus is walking along the way, minding his own business, and the crowd is just swarming him. And while the crowd is swarming him, there's this one person who exhibited faith unlike everybody else. Everyone who was touching him and grabbing him wanted to be healed of what hurt them, right? Whether they were sick, whether they were ill, whether they were terminal, right? Whether they just weren't feeling well, they just need energy, they just need a favor, whatever it was, everyone was touching him in order to do so, uh, which is a good thing to seek Jesus, but they lacked faith. But this one person, this lady who has been bleeding for many, many years, sees Jesus and knows without a doubt she's assured and she's confident, if I just touch him, he will heal me. And she reaches out in faith, and he stops what he's doing. He says, power has left me. Who touched me? <clears throat> and the disciples look at him and think, what do you mean who touched you? Everyone's touching. What are you talking about? But Jesus knew this one person, this one lady, was different than everybody else. And he turns to her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And back to verse 6 again in Hebrews, in the latter part. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him, who are seeking after him, who are displaying faith. And what I've learned um, through my years of knowing Jesus and talking to people who want to know Jesus is most times if you are serious about your faith and you want to know Jesus, he will meet you right where you are. He won't wait for you to be hyper-spiritual. He won't wait for you to memorize a lot of Bible verses. He won't wait for all of those things, right? But while we were still sinners, he died for us, right? He wants us to exhibit faith and the faith that is given from him. So we need faith 
to please God, and it's a gift, and he gives it to us for those who are earnestly seeking him. Right? Ask, and it will be answered. Seek, and you will be fine. Knock, and the door will be opened. It doesn't say knock, and then maybe it'll be open. It says it will be open. So now, today, how do we display faith in our own lives, right? We know what it is. We know that we are inherently people who use faith and display faith and express faith. So for today, how do we display faith today? The first point is this. Push through when your faith is being tested. Push through when your faith is being tested. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 3 says this, Consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Then he goes on and says, And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's a progression here in verses 2 to 4. It says, Consider your joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because the trials will help you produce perseverance. And if you produce perseverance, you'll be mature and complete. And if you're mature and complete, you won't lack anything. What does that mean? That means when the storm comes, you'll be ready because your house is built on the rock and it's not built on the sand. Because you have faith that is mature and complete because you have persevered through trials. Right? You haven't stopped halfway through trials or given up or turned around. You've persevered through trials. And I think all of us can see life as a test from God, right? Consider pure joys when you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith. And I think right now all of us are going through a testing period in our faith. And the big question is, is Jesus worth it? Is our faith worth it even when it's difficult? Even when we don't want to, even when we'd rather be on social, even when we'd rather drown out things with TV, right? Is Jesus worth it? And so we are all going through tests of faith, no matter where you are in your relationship with Jesus. And even now, if you're like me, you are going through a test of faith. One perfect example of somebody that we see as really strong in the faith is Abraham. And what was God's promise to Abraham? I'm going to make you a father of many, you're going to have many sons, right? You're going to have so many sons. If you go out and count the stars, that's how many sons you're going to have. But he gave this promise to Abraham when he was old and when his wife couldn't bear any children anymore. And so he's thinking, what in the world is happening? So what does Abraham do? Is he takes, he takes um, what's going to happen in his own hands. And he goes and he finds Hagar and he marries her and he has a child through her named Ishmael. But yet God still says, no, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And Sarah eventually bears a son. And here's the thing, even Abraham struggled in his faith. Although God went to him and said, here are the promises I am giving you. You're going to have many sons, right? And I'm going to use you to be a blessing to others. Yet Abraham struggled to believe that. And he did what he could his own self. John the Baptist. Uh, Jesus called him uh, one of the greatest guys in all the world. John the Baptist. When he was in jail about to face death, he sent some of his disciples to Jesus, to his cousin, 
to ask him, hey, ask Jesus if he's really the Messiah. Because if he's not really the Messiah, I'm kind of in jail for nothing. And I'm about to die for nothing. And he was at a low point in his life. And he struggled when it came to faith. And, and if you're anything like me, there are going to be many times in your faith journey that you are going to struggle. I remember in high school, there were times where I just couldn't believe what was happening in my own life, that I wanted to turn from my faith. And I wanted to walk away from my faith, and I didn't want to trust Jesus. But now that I'm older, I can look back and see every time that I walk away from Jesus and I struggle in my faith, I always go back to Jesus because he's the only thing that satisfies in this world. And so when you are tempted, know and go to Jesus because you will be tested in this life. And when you are tested, consider your pure joy because you can have mature and complete, not lacking anything, faith. Next thing is this, when it comes to our faith, we need to have a faith that works. A faith that works. James chapter 2 verse 8, it says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say to you, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Later on in the New Testament, John says, do not merely uh, love with words or speech, but love with actions and truth. We need to have a faith that works. How do we know that we have a faith? Faith is always wrapped around obedience. Going back to the Old Testament, our guy Abraham, the first thing that God told him when he called Abraham is, hey, I'm going to take you from this land that you're comfortable with, that's in your comfort zone, where your family is, where you know people, where you're making a living, where everything is happy and good, and I'm going to pick you up out of that land, and I'm going to take you somewhere that you've never been before. I'm just going to drop you there. You don't have any family. You don't have any connections. You don't have a job lined up. You don't have your 401k over there. Like, you have nothing, and that's where I'm going to take you. And Abraham was like, okay, and he gets up. He leaves everything. He takes his stuff, and he goes. Faith is always matched up with obedience, right? It's always partnered with doing something. We can't say we have a strong faith if we lack obedience because then we don't have a strong faith. Jesus says in the New Testament, in the book of uh, Matthew or book of John, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Right? He has this language of love and obedience are tied together. And we're not just obedient because we want great faith. Right? We're obedient because we know we're assured and we're confident of who Jesus is and what he's done. So I encourage you today, have a faith that works. And as Paul, or as James said here in his book, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And so what is that action that God is calling you to do? Right? We have so many opportunities here at First Press, even in quarantine, to get connected, to be obedient, and to give. 
right? One specific way to give is Samaritan's house. Uh, they're in huge need of diapers. I just found out uh, this past week that WIC doesn't cover diapers, and that's why Samaritan's house needs all of that. So if you're at Costco, if you shop online like Sarah and I do, just toss some diapers in there. That's an action and an expression of our faith and love. If you are not involved in a small group or a life group, that's an act of obedience and faith. Because here's the thing. You need others to grow, but also others need you to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so an act of obedience, an act of faith is stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, yeah, I'll log into the Zoom meeting even though I feel a little Zoomed out. Because like you and like me, I also feel Zoomed out. So have a faith that works. And I encourage there's so many other ways to do it. Neighbors, what's so great about uh, my little like neighborhood area is they all just take care of each other. There's this one um, lady who lives across the street from her that certain neighbors take turns taking out her trash cans every week. And it's so cool to see. And it's so awesome. And sometimes she'll ask if, if she needs help. And it's so great to do that and to have a faith that works. The last thing is this. Live your faith but don't measure it. A lot of the times we can think in our relationship with Jesus, I don't have enough faith. So-and-so is hyper-spiritual. So-and-so knows all these Bible verses. I am not equipped like this person. I don't have the personality as this person. Don't measure your faith, but live your faith. One of the most encouraging Bible verses to me is James chapter 5, verse 17, and it says this, Elijah was a man just like us. As you know, Elijah was a prophet, and he did amazing things. But it says this in James chapter 5, verse 18. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Isn't it awesome that Elijah prayed that it would not rain, then it didn't rain for three years, three and a half and then he prayed again, and then rains came, and then the rain came down. But what it starts off with was Elijah was a man just as we are. Deborah was a woman just as we are, right? Paul was a man just like we are. Mary was a woman just like we are. And so we put all of these people in the Bible, and we see them hyper-spiritual, but God has given us the same gifts. He's given us the same spirit. And he's given us the same faith as all of these people to do amazing things for his kingdom and for him. There's another verse in Matthew chapter 7. It says this when Jesus is talking about faith. He says, Truly I tell you, a faith as small as a mustard seed. You can say this to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you feel like you struggle in your faith or you have a lack of faith, know that your faith is given to you by Jesus. And so that means you have some sort of faith. And I bet that faith is at least the size of a mustard seed. So take that mustard seed size faith and step out of your comfort zone with that. What is God calling you to do? Because he's calling you to do different things that I'm calling, that he's calling me to do. What neighbor is he asking you to love? What person is he asking you to invite to church? What person is he asking you to pray for? What Bible study has he put on your heart to lead, right? What scriptures is he calling you to memorize? What things has he called you to step into when it comes to your faith and faith journey? And all of those things are sometimes mysterious and sometimes difficult. Just like Abraham, who was pulled from his land of, of comfortability, just like the Israelites were pulled from Egypt, which was comfortable, also not comfortable, 
taken to places that they never would have been if they stayed where they were. And so my hope for you is that you don't stay where you are because it's comfortable, but you go where God is calling you to do. And that's a difficult thing. And know that that's a big message for me, not only for you. And I can really hear that and feel that conviction that God has placed in me when it comes to my own faith, especially during quarantine, where it's easy to be complacent. And so if you feel that way, know that you're not alone, and I'm totally with you. Maybe we'll make a support group or something uh, and lean on each other for accountability. The last thing I want to, or two last things I want to leave you with is have faith in the right thing. A lot of us will put our faith in our money, in ourselves, in our talents, in our personality, in our abilities, in our gifts, in our work, in what we can do, but don't put your faith in those things because all of those things will crumble and not satisfy. Put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in God and know that he came from heaven and earth to die on the cross for our sins so we can live eternally with him. We can take his righteousness, give him our sin, and know that he has covered that forever and always. And he's called us to a life of obedience. Put your faith in that and know that you will never be let down. So I want to leave this, uh, read this verse for you in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8 through 9, and then I'll pray to close. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not, you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today, and I thank you for who you are and what you've done. I pray, Lord, that you help us to exhibit faith today. Thank you for giving us faith and help us to live out that faith. I pray for everyone uh, who is struggling in their faith and is unsure and is going through trials and tests uh, and going through temptations, Lord, that, that they would persevere and they would push through that in your name, and they would receive perseverance and maturity and completeness and not lack anything when it comes to their faith and their faith journeys. Lord, we're thankful for you, and we're thankful that the hope that you have given us is true, and we are assured of that, and we are confident of that hope and faith that we will be with you for eternity, that you have died on the cross for our sins, that you are God, that you are real, that you are creator, and that you are love. And you're here with us. And your words are true. And we have faith when you say, I am with you always. That you are with us always. Through the valleys, through the storms, through the high points in our lives. We trust you and we know uh, of this hope that you have given us. In Jesus' name I pray.